of you EM studs out there. I'm Nate Lewis here at the EM Stud Production Studios on this beautiful, soggy, and humid day in August. But despite the weather, we have some good stuff for you in this episode. Scott Wieters has a day off, but luckily I was able to recruit some of our new interns to share their insights with you about the M4 year. If you haven't already heard, our previous episode, titled The 10,000-Foot View of M4 Year, which we released a little over a year ago, I'd recommend to check that out also. But today, we're going to hear firsthand what it was like to actually live through it. And just a quick announcement before we get started, we have re-upped our website, www.emstud.com, where you can find all of our previous content organized into categories, as well as links to some other great resources. We'll also continue to put up our episodes over at CDEM Curriculum and on iTunes, so you'll be able to keep up with us however you so choose. But back to the topic at hand, let's now turn to our expert intern panel. So I am here with uh, three of our new interns, Peter, Lily, and Derek. Thank you so much for coming on the show today. Um, and also, congratulations, you all just passed your ATLS course. That must feel good. Very good. <laughs> and obviously, congratulations for being here. So this episode, we're just going to talk a little bit about the M4 year from the perspective of some experts, some people who uh, were recently M4s and now uh, new interns, so that you can hear it directly from them. But first, let's just start out with some introductions. So if you guys want to just say who you are, maybe where you went to medical school. So I'm Derek Thaxon. I went to VCU School of Medicine in Richmond, um, and now I'm a first-year intern at VCU. I'm Lily Daniel. I went to Liberty University College of Osteopathic Medicine in Lynchburg, Virginia. I'm Peter Balaji. I went to the Indiana University School of Medicine in uh, Indianapolis, Indiana. Well, that is awesome. We are so happy to have all three of you here at VCU. So let's talk about the M4 year. Um, from the perspective of people who just went through it. So uh, would one of you mind just giving me sort of an overview of, of you know, what the M4 year is, what it consists of? Um, so kind of a rough overview of it. Um, it will start out that you'll feel great that you finish your third year and you end your last rotation and you're done with your shelf. And then you immediately jump into your fourth year, which doesn't feel much like a transition, but more of like a continuation of third year because you, if you're doing EM, you have to do in a way at least one or two, and so then you end up scheduling in a way, and until you're on like another rotation for like another month or two, and then you do your home EM block. So it can feel almost like a continuation of your third year, and it still feels very busy. Um, at the same time, you're juggling trying to ask for slows and ask for letters of recommendation, and then you're also getting geared up to fill out your ERAS application for residency. So it feels very busy. Um, especially in the summer and into the fall and, and even into the winter. Um, but then as that goes along, you're juggling all these things, you're doing your ways and your applications. And then once you start getting things lined up and your interviews are lined up and then you go through all them, it's once they're done, it's like there's like a, like a standstill. And it's like you can continue to do electives at the end of your, your year, but the rest of your fourth year is very relaxed, I feel like, at least mine was. Um, my last two blocks were easy electives that were helpful, but nothing too strenuous. So then the rest of my fourth year was laid back and a lot easier than the start of it. Cool. So it's it's July now, and so this is sort of the 
prime time of the year when folks are going on rotations, right, and doing their home rotations, doing their away rotations. Um, but pretty soon we'll be starting to actually fill out their ARIS application. So when did you guys actually do that? When did you start filling out your ARIS stuff? I started in July. I think it's important to get started right away because you'll be very surprised how quickly things start moving once that opens up. Okay, so it's July, you're filling out your ARIS application and getting ready to submit it in September, right? Um, so how was that experience? How was it act to actually fill out your ARIS application, hit that submit button? What did that feel like? Um, it felt great. I think the process of actually filling everything out was really stressful coming up with the, uh, the as far as filling things out, you know, hobbies, jobs, publications, all that stuff, and then finally getting to, you know, it was like climbing a mountain, and then you finish, you hit submit, it was like a, a weight lifted off your shoulder while you just wait for the next thing to come. So uh, tell me a little bit more about Eris. Is, is there um, anything about it that's particularly tricky that folks should be aware of or any things in the interface that you thought were maybe a little bit confusing? I think the one tip I got about filling out my Eris was don't leave your hobby section blank, which seems really intuitive, but I know that from several interviews I went on that is something that happens. So maybe even if you're not like a pro wrestler or something that's a really um, unique hobby, Are put you something. Are pro wrestler? No, not currently. <laughs> oh, okay. Sad <laughs> I think just put something down, anything that you feel comfortable talking about or that makes you happy. And I can piggyback off that. Like, I know it's important to put down your research and your electives and the other things that are really important that you look for. And, but the hobbies, I got asked about more often than I expected. Like one of my hobbies I put on there that I love to watch horror movies, like just random horror movies mm -hmm. on Netflix. And I got asked about that like four times. And we had a 30 minute conversation about it. <laughs> and another thing, like if you're gonna put something down, be prepared to talk about sure. it because oh, they yeah. will ask you. Oh, I yeah, put yeah. that I love to read mystery novels, which I do to the point where I devour them and don't even remember the titles, but then I got asked the title. And so I looked like maybe I never read one, <laughs> which wasn't great. Sure, sure. Uh, so there's a little urban myth out there that um, on the first day that Eris opens, everything immediately crashes because <laughs> everybody submits it all at the same time. The server goes down. Everybody panics. Did you all experience that at all, or um, is it pretty I, smooth? I waited a day. <laughs> oh, <you did. laughs> That's That's and then I hit submit, so I uh, just skipped all that stress completely. Well, good. Good, good. So otherwise, pretty straightforward then, filling out your Eris application. Yeah. I think so, yeah. Okay. Um, once you're in there, because um, we've had a few people ask this, so the letters of recommendation, um, I think there's a little bit of confusion because first of all, we have these specialized letters of recommendation called SLOWs or really evaluation letters. But how does that work? Do you get notifications that you have a pile of them and you get to pick which ones you send out? How, how does that actually manage in that system? So I think the one thing I wasn't aware of is that you, you get capped on how many letters you can send to a program. So I ended up getting an extra slow because um, coming from a new school, I chose to do four away rotations, four audition rotations. Um, and my third slow, I couldn't submit to programs because I couldn't get it uploaded to ARIS because I had too many letters. Um, so that's just something to keep in mind. I, I can't, you'll have to look up the actual cap number, but um, there is a cap. So that's just something to yeah, keep I think in it's, mind. I think it's four. Yeah, that's, um, I yeah, right. it's four. That's a great segue. So let's talk about away rotations for a second. Um, obviously, it's something that's on everybody's mind and can be a big source of stress, not just in arranging them, but actually being on them. So, so what is it like to have to go to a site that you know nothing about, where you know none of the people, and try to make a good impression for four weeks straight? What is that like? <laughs> 
awkward. <laughs> it's, it is not easy. It's um, so I did mine in Norfolk at EVMS, and that was like not that far from here. But um, I, when I went there, it was they use a different EMR. The hospital was you know brand new to me, and the area was brand new, and I ended up having to like rent a place nearby. I would recommend staying closer to the hospital rather than farther away. It's just one less thing for you to stress about. And it's very nerve-wracking, but they also know, like the physicians there know and the residents know why you're there and they know you're new. So they'll be very nice and welcoming. And they, the people that I met were always nice and sweet and helped me find things because I don't know where anything's at. But it was difficult trying to get to know new people and introduce myself as I'm a away student. Like I'm here for like a month and then I'll, I'll be gone. But I enjoyed it. It was fun, and I think it's something that EM is like. You, like everyone goes through it, so like they understand that you have that. De- like you're gonna have that experience. So, and especially the new interns will understand where you're coming from. So if you have any difficulties, you know, like you feel like it's awkward or it feels uncomfortable, it's not abnormal to feel that way. And just ask for help. If like you need it, like while you're there, like you're lost. Sure. Yeah, I think that that was part of my two things I was going to say for advice is always ask for help because everybody knows that you don't know anything or where anything is or (laughs) how to use the um, EMR and everybody's willing to help. But then also just be nice to everyone because Mm -hmm. the nicer you are and the more you introduce yourself to nurses and techs and staff, the more willing people are to help you. And that's what's going to make or break your month. Yeah. And it's not about like being like a superstar. I like felt like when I got there that I had to like show off like how like much I knew. They don't care as much about that. They want to know that you are a good team player, that you can get along with people, that you know how to communicate well, and that you can take good histories and do a good physical. And like, and like you can learn, and like, that you're there to learn because they know you're a student. They like don't expect you to like think at like mm-hmm. a third year resident level. They want you to be able to like understand the basics and like show up and be attentive and be curious and ask questions. But, um, be helpful. Yeah. If someone needs something in a trauma, go get it. Go volunteer. Yeah, and help out. So it sounds like for the most part, um, as long as you do a good job being just a good student, mm-hmm. right, you're sort of expected to do well on the rotation. But um, at the same time, I mean, what, what is it like to have to smile 24-7 and, and pretend that you don't want to see that 10th chronic back pain? I mean, that's, that's got to be, um, you know, it's, it's got to be a challenge, right? Yeah, it was more exhausting than I thought it would be, I okay. think. I, uh, I, before I did my way rotations, I did two of them. And then people told me that it was really stressful to always be on 10 all the time. <laughs> and I kind of <laughs> dismissed it because I was like, how hard could it be? But it really was like on 10, you know, every day, you have to come in on time, smile, which you should anyway, come in on time, but uh-huh. you always have to be there early, you know, try to stay late if you can, always volunteer, be, always have your hands ready to do something. It was, it was tiring. If you think about it, it's literally like how you feel on an interview day. So for an eight hour period, you feel that way for an entire month. Yeah. And so it's obviously gonna be exhausting, but yeah, it's also fun. exhausting, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it was fun, exhausting, yeah. fun. So at, at the same time, do you feel like you were able to truly be yourself while you're on these rotations or was it more of a more of a facade? You, you can be honest now because you're a Eventually, <laughs> <laughs> no, I think at yeah. first when you're nervous and you know, you know, kind of jittery, it's a little tough, but then when you get to know people and know your fellow rotators and know the doctors and the residents, and it's so much easier to be yourself and still be on 10, but you can be more comfortable around people now. 
I think EM, well, I obviously think EM is the best specialty, but I also think that the people in EM um, tend to be a little bit more laid back than maybe in some of the other specialties. So I think that helps you out a little bit. The one thing I would caution is that if you have a really dry sense of humor or maybe a sense of humor that isn't, you know, PC, just maybe like rein that in until you realize who you're working with. Feel it out first. Yeah, yeah. exactly. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And so, Peter, going back to your point earlier um, about you know, people telling you who to ask for a slow. I mean, did any of you have experiences where you didn't know who was going to write your slow and you had to go figure that out or had to go ask somebody specifically? I think, I know I asked one of the residents, one of the senior residents, I was like, so I need to get a slow at the end of the month. Like, who do I talk to about it? And they're like, don't worry about it. We'll like handle it for you. But I never really figured out who exactly that was going to be. <laughs> so I was always like, well, I hope someone writes this. And, it ended up being the program director was the one that coordinated it for me because I ended up sending him an email afterwards <clears throat> as a way to ask for the slow but also to come in and say I you know like I enjoyed like the rotation thank you for having me I had a good time but I also use it as a segue to say when can I send you my request for a slow mm-hmm. so I like use it as like a dual sure. email for two of my rotations the way it worked was every shift you got a little card filled out and both instances um well one instance was always with a resident and the other instance was either with a resident or an attending so they filled out these um forms and then the forms went into this magical box and then your slow was produced from those forms so a lot of times you never even met the person that wrote your slow they just based it off of what like the residents and attending said that worked with you so at the end of these rotations did you all generally have a sense of how well you did um, and therefore had a sense of what the slow was going to say? Because uh, obviously you waive your right to see the actual slow itself, right. and, uh, but then you sort of hope that they wrote you a good one and you send it off uh, into the interweb and, mm-hmm. and hope you match. Um, so did you, did you get any feedback at all about we can write you a good slow or we can only write you sort of a so-so one? I guess I kind of didn't want to rock the boat really, but I just kind of kind of gauged it on the uh, interactions I had with the, uh, the residents and the attendees mm-hmm. how, how I thought I did. So I was told up front by almost every program that they would tell me if they could not write me a slow. So if I requested one and they agreed to write it, it was going to be a good one. They would not write a bad slow without talking to me first. Okay. And sort of last question I have for you guys about away rotation specifically. Um, was there an expectation uh, and was this consistent that you actually had a meeting with the program director while you were there? Should students sort of expect to do that while they're on a ways? Mm-hmm. I know I did it at least once or twice. One of them was informal because he was in a department when I was working in the ER. <clears throat> and then the other time was like an actual sit down in his office. Um, and it was just a casual just to get to know you. And I don't know if that was just his personality, if that's like across all right. programs. but. He was a very informal, tell me about yourself, what do you want? And he was definitely trying to feel out, you know, how they should rank you, I feel like, because like they definitely are, want to see your interest and see how you can communicate and talk. But also he wanted to know like, how, how I was doing, if I had any questions about like the rotation, but I think it's also like trying to feel out my interest in like, the program as well. But, I lied, I have one more question about <laughs> away rotation. Did, did any of you actually do your formal interview during the rotation or did you always get invited back later on in the season i did all four of my interviews except for one in that formal period and one of them was in july so they just did my interview early and said this will count for your formal interview okay 
Did you still get dressed up? Yes, but a lot of people didn't because they said you could wear scrubs. Okay. Both of my ways, I interviewed there and we all dressed up. All right, well, solid advice. Let's move on to the next thing here. So we're going to talk more about interviews now, uh, which is everybody's uh, next favorite topic, next uh, anxiety-invoking topic. So tell me, in terms of scheduling your interviews, and you know, this could almost be its own episode in terms of how to <laughs> yeah. schedule or not schedule your interviews, but um, h- how successful were you guys? Were you able to at least you know, carve out chunks of time when you're going on a bunch of interviews in the same geographic region? H- how did that work? Um, yeah, I was, for the most part, able to try to um, schedule my interviews um, temporally, not so much geographically. I just had kind of periods of like a week, week and a half, where I would have a string of interviews and then times where I didn't have any. Um, so it was kind of tricky initially because it, it was kind of a, a slow trickle of uh, invitations before mm-hmm. like you know the floodgates open or whatever, and then I could schedule some. So it was a little tricky, but I think I did a decent job of trying to fit them into the same uh, temporal slots. So it is doable. It's doable. It's doable. Okay. Um, in terms of the amount of time that you guys spent traveling, I mean, is this something that you would attempt to do during a clinical rotation, or it's really not feasible? Yeah. So during audition rotations, I specifically for my first choice, I did one interview that entire month because I didn't want to be traveling. I wanted to be here. I wanted to be in the department showing my face. Um, so for my audition rotations, I did them in July and August, so that didn't matter. And then in um, October and November. So the October one, I think I still didn't even have any interviews yet because it was early October. So my last audition during interview season, I only scheduled one and did them all outside of my auditions because I think it's important if you're auditioning to be there mm-hmm. and to show that you're committed, especially if it's your first choice program. Um, for scheduling, I know in my case, my fiance was a lot of help because I would get interviews or like the email that I could schedule one like while I was on other interviews or like traveling and it's hard to like stop your car immediately and like schedule them all fast. <laughs> so he had access to my email if you have someone you trust enough to do that with your schedule I would recommend doing that because they can just schedule it for you yeah. Yeah. which he did for almost all of them and that way because I mean there were times where I'd have to turn my phone off for the whole day and then come back and have like two emails sitting mm-hmm. and like I have an answer them all day but he was able to see them and, and you felt sort of compelled to answer them right away and right. The interview because right a lot away. of times they were overextending offers yeah. so right. you get yeah. your interview offer and you didn't check till four hours later and, and there's no spots, the spots left on. right that's stressful I want to add a caveat I know I said that it was doable but I think I just got lucky because <laughs> <laughs> there are definitely times when you know, your phone would go off and then you try to get an interview and then sometimes it's like you try it 10 minutes later and all the slots are gone. Right. Um, but then most of the time it was, I was just in the right right time oh, to man. be able to like schedule it on time and get what I wanted. Everybody listening right now is now depressed. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. I will also say that because I chose to do my interviews that way, like not during my audition rotation, I was interviewing through the third week of January. So that was a decision I had Same to make. Here. That wasn't awesome. I didn't love that, but it worked out in the long run. So did all of you go on every single interview that you were offered? No. 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 Okay. So how do you pick which ones that you go on or which ones you you know, you, you don't go on? I think that initially it's just like this anxiety that you're not going to get enough interview invitations mm-hmm. and so you just kind of 
take what comes in at first and then like after more start coming in then you can start to kind of parse down and say well I can choose now so would I really go here if I had the choice and no I probably wouldn't so I could kind of cut it down that way and then two of the end of interview season I had a few that were you know, mid-January I think and I ended up dropping those because I was exhausted and I couldn't do it anymore yeah, yeah. I agree with that I had like accepted a bunch up front and one of them was in like Louisiana, which <laughs> they're great schools there, but I have no interest in going to Louisiana. So I accepted them and then I got the other offers that I wanted more. And so then I ended up dropping a couple because yeah. they were too far away and not schools that I could reasonably say I was going to see myself there. The one thing I would say about that is just make sure that you're giving the program enough time to fill the spot yeah. because that can give you a bad reputation if you're canceling an interview 24 hours before. Yeah. That's just not fair to them. Sure. The ones that I canceled, it was like a month out. Yes. And I, yeah. I let them know. So plenty, of, plenty yeah. of time. Two weeks yeah. at the bare minimum, mm-hmm. I would say. And did you, did you call and just say, hey, no way, I changed my mind, you guys suck? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, I canceled the interview on whatever interview we uh, kind of scheduling thing they use, and then I emailed um, the uh, usually the, the program um, coordinator. Yeah. Okay. Another thing um, kind of along the same lines is a couple of my interviews got, I got offered interviews on the same day. Um, in one instance for two programs I w- was really interested in. And so my um, tactic was to pick the one that barely edged ahead and schedule it and call the other program and just say, I already have an interview scheduled that day or I have a commitment or however you want to say it. Do you have any other dates available? And in that instance, I was able to schedule. So don't be afraid to call and yeah. advocate for yourself and say that you're super interested, but that particular day doesn't work out. So it sounds like maybe just some open communication. Yeah. and Yeah. Trying to be professional the whole time. Right. Yeah. Tends to work out. Okay. (laughs) I don't know if you're going to ask about this later, but then places where I didn't necessarily get interview offers, but I was really interested in the geographic area, Mm -hmm. um, I emailed the uh, program director to ask nicely, show interest. Did that work for you in any of those places? It did. Yeah. Yeah, I actually emailed Dr. Mole here. Yeah. yeah. He was like, like, yeah, sure, come on down. (laughs) We we do keep notes of those sorts of things about people who seem to have above and beyond interests. So worked that well for me. So reaching out. Yeah. So sometimes that's helpful too. Um, So let's talk about an actual sort of interview day or sort of around that time. So what did you guys do? Did you come in the day before, check out the town, or did you show up that morning and rush from the airport to the interview? Don't do that. <laughs> <laughs> do not do that. Yeah. I didn't, but you shouldn't either. And typically there's a night, like a social night the yeah. night before, and that's always really good to go to because you get to interact with residents yeah. um, on a more social scale and there's usually not attendings or interview people there which is nice yeah Um, so I usually or almost always came in the night before Um, and then you're rested you're not rushing it's not frantic in the morning I mean it is but it's not as frantic as it would be yeah Um, I was same lines like always go to the socials because they're usually gonna feed you and like (laughs) host you which is like a free meal it's like an extra hotel stay but it's less stress. You can get there. You can like figure out the ER because Definitely. finding these hospitals and like where to go for like, like the mm-hmm. day of. And usually some of these interviews start at like seven thirty in the morning. Mm-hmm. And they're early. And you're trying to like, get your stuff together and like move out of your hotel. And there's just like that's one less thing to worry about like moving from the airport. And there were a few interviews where um, because of kind of scheduling conflicts, I wasn't able to make the social the night before. And there was a definite difference as far as my anxiety levels. Uh, yeah. The actual day of the interview, as far as um, seeing familiar faces and kind of feeling sure, more sure. at ease before mm-hmm. I even um, did the interview. The way like the day was usually structured, um, 
for a lot of my interviews, it was like we were split into two groups, kind of. One group interviewed in the morning while the other group did kind of the program overview and um, the hospital tour and those kinds of things. And then you kind of flopped. Then you all had lunch together and then you kind of flopped and some people interviewed in the afternoon while the other people did the program overview and the hospital tour. So it sounds like going to these, you know, night outs beforehand is, is a good idea. Yeah. For sure. Um, any any things you should not do while you're there? Any <laughs> don't drink too much. Yes. Yes. There's almost always uh, you can almost <laughs> always drink alcohol. Right. Yeah. So just be an adult. Yeah. yeah. Don't over imbibe. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's not. It doesn't look good. Yeah, because they do. It feels very relaxed, and they'll say this is for fun. This is not part of your interview, but it definitely is. Like yeah. the residents that are there, they will be asked later about your behavior, and if you are not a team player or you just get drunk on your first night and <laughs> act crazy and do something out of line, they will talk about it and they'll like know yeah. about it. I, I've heard even complaining about other applicants. That too. Sort of a turn yeah. off too. It's just a, oh, yeah. it's bad form to mm-hmm. like, or like even to like bad mouth like other schools or yeah. how much you like hate other programs. Like it's like not the place for it. It's like the place to like be positive and ask about that program and like talk about like the town or the mm-hmm. city and yeah, sure, sure. seem interested, yeah. I will say on the flip side of that is okay to order dessert. Oh, At almost yeah. every interview dinner, the residents were like, order dessert, even if you're not going to eat it now, take it back to your hotel room. Yeah. And that was like the best advice ever. That is, that is the best advice. That's, that's best advice on this episode for sure. <laughs> well, we're just going to have to pause and break this up into two separate episodes since there was just so much great stuff Derek, Lily, and Peter had to share. But be on the lookout for part two with more on interviews, rank lists, and overall thoughts about the M4 year. Only on the EM Stud Podcast.